We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Hope everybody's having a great day. It's Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th, may the force be with you. If you're a Star Wars person, you know, I grew up a Star Wars kid. So, uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of a day, but I mean, not really that big of a day. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. We're coming at you live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus and live on Twitter at M Taurus Sports. We got a big show in store for you guys today, but I'm not rolling solo. I'm joined once again by my guy, Colin King. How we doing, man? Thanks for being here. Doing great. How about you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a busy week like we were talking about. You know, plenty of uh, Oregon recruiting storylines and, and, you know, a lot of things that we're kind of talking about, thinking about now that we're out of the, the spring game. So now that the team coverage is kind of starting to die down a little bit, um, you know, the, the recruiting stuff is going to ramp up and, and I expect Oregon to go on a run here, uh, before too long. So I'm, I'm just kind of waiting at the ready, trying to talk to people and, and get ahead of things as best I can. But, um, yeah, kind of for this show, what I was planning on doing is talking about how Oregon is swinging for the fences when it comes to defensive line recruiting in the 2024 class under Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy. Tony Tuioti and the rest of that Oregon football staff, but I wanted to look at it in a little bit of a different light. And the way that I kind of wanted to lay this out is I think that Oregon's offensive line recruiting has been very strong, you know, for the past four or five years. And and that's kind of what you expect when you have a guy like uh, Mario Cristobal and and Alex Mirabal running the show, Vianne telling my vow also recently here, Adrian Clem. So Oregon's offensive line recruiting and Oregon's offensive line play has been great. But the kind of premise I want to have for this show is that the defensive line recruiting has not been where it's needed to be. And I think that now at this point in, you know, the Oregon football program, because, you know, we're a program podcast. I think that the defensive line recruiting under Dan Landing and Tosh Lapoy is starting to catch up to that offensive line recruiting. And that's a huge part of the championship formula for Dan Lanning and the Ducks moving forward. Yeah. And uh, you look at how kind of Oregon has attacked this. Um, They brought in a bunch of defensive linemen last year, like a lot. Um, And that was Oregon's main need 
uh, defensive line was a massive, massive need uh, that was definitely shown off in most every game this season, um, especially the Oregon State uh, crushing loss in the Civil War game. Um, and you look at that and you think, okay, Dan Lanning's a defensive guy, um, and he didn't have a great defense last year. So how does he come back and how does he um, improve that defense? And, well, he went out and got a bunch of freshman defensive linemen. And not just freshmen, but he also got some portal guys too. Yeah, which I think you know definitely shows you where his priorities are at right now. Um, and especially with the 2023 class, I think another thing that we can kind of look at, you know, we're going to talk about 2024 here and kind of just the overall vision. I think you have a lot more guys in that 2023 recruiting class on the defensive line that are more capable of being instant impact guys, right? You know, we saw Mateo Uyunglele doing a really, really good job in that spring game. Um, you know, you don't want to make too much of a spring game performance, but he looked like he belonged on that big stage. He looked like he belonged at Oregon going against, you know, former five stars like Josh Connerly, right? And that's kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to this, this, uh, this podcast and how Oregon's swinging for the fences in 2024 with the defensive line. Because Oregon's had those big-time recruits along the offensive line coming to Eugene for a number of years now, right? You know, your Panay Sewells, your Josh Connerlys, like I just mentioned. I mean, they had Kelvin Banks in the 2022 class out of Texas before uh, Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal left. And then that, that offensive line class definitely took a hit. But now you're seeing Dan Landing going after guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, on that same level. Uh, of status and you know tier caliber of player i mean look no further than this past weekend colin look at the guys that the ducks brought in for visits for that spring game just along the defensive line you have numerous five stars numerous all-americans david stone out of img dylan stewart out of dc um jordan ross out of birmingham alabama vestavia hills you know the the list goes on for for just top tier guys that they're bringing in for visits and they're not just doing it for no reason. I think they're doing it because they believe that they have a real shot at these guys. And, and I think that's what's going to ultimately pay off down the road is you get them on campus for a spring game unofficially, and then you kind of lay the foundation. Hey, how about you come back and get an even closer look for an OV with your fam on our dime, that type of a deal. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that how they would only do this if they thought they had a chance. Um, there are several uh, players I think I saw a quote uh, about Dylan Stewart saying that um, that championship kind of pedigree from Dan Lanning was going out to the West and Pacific Northwest um, in Oregon. And uh, you've seen a few recruits like this cycle and last cycle say um, that Dan Lanning is bringing that kind of, um, I guess, attention or he's bringing really that kind of feel, that championship feel um, to the Pacific Northwest in Oregon and in Eugene. Um, and it's really, really interesting to look at because, I mean, you look at Cristobal, you didn't really see many recruits saying, okay, yeah, championship pedigree is going to be up here for sure. And um, you didn't really see necessarily the domination of the West Coast that you've seen in terms of recruiting so far from Dan Lanning. Obviously, there's going to be a few battles uh, lost there, but um, I think really, really big point that they have a chance for all of these guys and they have definitely cemented themselves into each and every one of these guys, uh, like the race for their commitment. Um, and even guys that didn't make it out, some of them are still very interested in the program and just had some reasons to not be there. 
Yeah, so you know, Colin Simmons is probably one of those guys that that falls into that. I think you know from from Duncanville out in Texas. Um, you know, not a, not a guy that Oregon's had a lot of buzz for necessarily, but certainly one of those big names that that you want to be in those conversations for. Um, what one other quick note that I, I forgot to mention for you guys that are in the live chat. We're getting some of you guys trickling in here. Um, we're probably gonna you know get to the mail, but we're gonna have a mailbag section I think towards the end of the the live stream. Um, so get those comments and questions in and I'm going to try to kind of star them, uh, in StreamYard so I can go ahead and, and look at them once we kind of get through the, the meat of what we want to say. But, uh, yeah, that's a good point. You mentioned Colin, just maybe not, maybe not dominating the West coast right now, the way that you'd expect. Um, but I don't think that's a problem. I think you're kind of picking and choosing the guys that, that you want and that you think are really capable of, uh, of, you know, enhancing your your program right and there's a bunch of guys that they're going after in this 2024 class I mean you look at the wide receiver spot just to kind of switch it up for a second you know you got Aaron Butler who we'll talk about a little bit later there's a question about him he's a big time wide out out of Calabasas in Southern California um let's see who else do you have you, know, you have Dylan Gresham thank you out of uh, San Jacinto which is like an hour and a half away from me or something like that um and then you also have, you know, not necessarily West Coast, but West Region, right? Luke Moga, Oregon's new quarterback commit in the 2024 class. Jackson Jones, also out of Arizona. Um, and, th and then you also have Jason Brown Jr. out of uh, Washington. So I think they're definitely picking and choosing their, you know, their battles and those guys that you want to go after. But maybe with particular attention to the defensive line position, Colin, that you just don't find the, the caliber of guys necessarily – out west that you need that can take you to the next level. Kayvon Thibodeau is one of them. That's a fact. You know, we're not going to argue about that one here on this podcast. He definitely was one of those guys that takes Oregon from, you know, where they were at to where they want to be one step closer. But that's just one guy. And we saw that that only had so much of an impact because after Kayvon left, that pass rush wasn't where it needed to be. You know, DJ Johnson, great, great career at Oregon. I think it, it left a little bit to be desired. I think people expected a little bit more from him, but, you know, he bounced back and forth between tight end and D end and ended up being a third round pick. So, you know, that's props to him and, and Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy on that front. But um, I think if you're going after these guys, uh, like some of the ones we're talking about here, maybe we can, can maybe talk about Jordan Ross a little bit because he was on campus this weekend. I think these are more of the types of guys that you need to take your program to the next level. Yeah. So Jordan Ross, I don't have a whole lot of Intel myself on, uh, Ross. Um, I've seen a little bit of film. He's a very, very, very talented player. Um, obviously off the edge here, um, as we'll see in the film, very quick to the ball or to the QB rather. Um, and definitely a priority for Oregon. Something, um, his burst at or off the edge does somewhat remind me of Kayvon, um, I'm not comparing him to Kayvon, of course, just saying the burst. Um, and I don't know if really, Max, there's something you want to add on uh, about Jordan Ross. I just don't have all the details on him. No, sure. That, that, that's cool. I mean, I think one of the reasons that Jordan Ross is an interesting player uh, in my eyes is just because of where he comes from to, to start, right? You know, I talked about him extensively on the Oregon recruiting hour uh, episode of the pod yesterday. So go give that a listen and uh, a watch if you want some, you know, really in-depth analysis about that visit. Um, but, you know, the source that I was talking to about Ross was just talking, telling me about how Oregon has a legitimate shot here and they, they knocked that visit out of the park. 
And, um, you know, maybe the more important thing is that, you know, th this source knows Ross pretty well. And, and it sounds like he's pretty open to the idea of, of leaving Alabama, uh, which I think is huge, right? Because you see a guy of his caliber, you know, he, he's the top player in the state of Alabama on the 247 rankings. So you don't think normally at least, oh, hey, yeah, Oregon's going to go into Alabama and, and take the top player from, from Nick Saban because you know that Nick Saban and his staff aren't going to let up on this guy. Um, but there's still a long way to go, you know, with Jordan Ross. Uh, he's heading to Texas for an OV next month. Recently dropped his top eight that had, you know, Oregon and, and SC, Alabama. I think Florida and Georgia were in there too. So it's not going to be an easy recruitment by any means. But these are the kind of guys that, that you need to bring in to, to take your defensive line to, to the next level uh, from, from good to great, right? That's what we heard all throughout the spring from, from Dan Lanning and his staff and his players. And then I think the the priority maybe kind of goes, Colin, from getting, you know, just a one guy like a Kayvon Thibodeau to multiple guys. Like if you can get a Jordan Ross, I, I feel pretty good saying that Oregon, you know, leads or is not, if not, you know, a really high top school for him. If you can get a guy like Jordan Ross, Ross and an Elijah Rushing in the same class, you are looking dangerous. Yeah. And uh, for Rushing, you look, uh, Oregon's in a very, very good spot there as well. Um, didn't make it out to the spring game. He had um, some conflicting schedule uh, issues there. Um, he will definitely be back out here. He has his official, I believe, scheduled. Um, and again, if you can get two of these guys coming off the edge and you already think like you have um, at Oregon, they already have Mateo. Um, and you add in two more five-star edge rushers, um, right there and then you still have birch potentially on the roster if he doesn't go to the draft this year um obviously you're gonna have doorless and Mesuna gone but um still potentially having birch and mateo and then allowing these guys maybe to sit behind him for a year um i say sit behind they'd still get immediate playing time but um definitely learn a bit from both of these guys and get better and that's just something that Oregon needs. They really, really do. Um, they need these edge rushers. They need these top tier defensive linemen. We've seen how in the past, like Oregon's had decent defenses and then they have um, just not had a good D line and it's ruined their season. Um, you just saw last year defensive line wasn't necessarily the issue in the Washington game. Uh, it was more of the secondary in that one, which they also addressed. Um, but the Oregon State game, that was very clear and obviously um, the defensive line's issue as well as the linebackers. And you look at David Stone, for example. He's a defensive lineman. He's more of an interior defensive lineman. You look at Zadavian Sims, kind of same thing, uh, more interior. These are top guys. Uh, I'm, not I'm not really sure where Oregon stands with David Stone. Um, haven't really heard a whole lot. I know he did enjoy his visit quite a bit. But then... Uh, I mean, you just look at all these high-rated guys inside and outside. And then there's guys even that Oregon's after that maybe didn't visit this weekend. Uh, they weren't scheduled to, but are still very interested and invested into the program. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about David Stone and uh, Zadavian Sims um, in just a little bit. But maybe we can talk about rushing for a second just because I have his his highlights on the screen right now. Um so Elijah Rushing is obviously a big name on, on the recruiting trail, right? You know, a, a big name that you've got to know if you're an Oregon fan. The Ducks have been in the running for a long, long time. 
This is a super athletic, talented guy, crazy strength, you know, six, six, you know, probably North of 275 pounds. Um, and I think that he's one of those guys, right. That you just, you don't often find out West, you know, one of those body types, you know, and, and when we say those body types, Colin, maybe we can be a little bit more direct. I feel like you're probably talking, you know, anywhere between six, four and six, six and, you know, at 300 pounds or a guy that you can kind of easily see putting on that kind of weight and someone who's really physical, uh, violent hands at the, at the point of attack and, and really strong, you know, you, you, you have certain areas in the country that have their positions, right? Southern California has quarterbacks, wide receivers, corners. And then if you look more into the deep South, what are you going to find defensive linemen, offensive linemen, backers? Um, so I think it's, that's another interesting thing to look at, but it's, it's a point worth mentioning here when we're talking about kind of how the, the ducks are swinging for the fences. Cause you're bringing in guys, uh, or at least trying to get guys that are, you know, closer to home out West, like an Elijah rushing, but yep. then you're also expanding your reach. You're pushing into Texas, into Oklahoma, into Florida, into Alabama, which admittedly history tells us that the further East you push, the worse your chances are. But Dan Lanning's not backing down from that and he shouldn't. Yeah. And um, so you, you talked about Elijah rushing quite a bit there. Um, and Max, you look at this staff, I believe it was this staff or um, just before Cristobal left that Elijah rushing's brother, his older brother, Cruz rushing was committed to Oregon to be, he was going to be a walk-on uh, preferred walk-on. Um, he ended up flipping his commitment to Florida and has since transferred to Arizona state. So I think Arizona state does sit somewhat towards the top, but still Arizona Oregon state or Arizona. I, I could be wrong. On Either that. way, it's, I one heard of the, the story. it's one of the two. One of the in-state um, schools. My bad. Either way, I think one of those two, uh, whichever it is, again, sorry, I don't know, um, towards it is definitely going to be somewhat of a priority just because his brother's there. But it, it's really interesting that uh, Oregon prioritized his brother, and I'm assuming in the hopes that it would somewhat draw Elijah towards Oregon even more. And – Elijah visited with his older brother, I believe twice um, during that time when Oregon was recruiting him. And it really has just grown these connections even more. And every time he comes back, it just gets better and better for Oregon. Um, I could see one of the main teams really competing for him is Notre Dame. Uh, that's a team I've heard quite a bit about um, being well up there in the recruitment there. Um, but you talked about body types and not necessarily always being out the West and not necessarily out West in Arizona, uh, like West coast, Western region. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Western it's region. Broad. But, um, it's, it's not very common and Oregon has to capitalize on something like this and distance for a guy like Elijah rushing, not being too far, not being across the country, definitely just increases Oregon's chances. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, one more. I'll uh, I'll say this, and then we'll wrap up on rushing, and maybe we can talk about some of the other guys here in this class um, that the Ducks are going after. Yeah, you make a great point about location and geography. Like it's 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 not too often that it's on Oregon's side for a guy like rushing. Um, so it's important to to go into the state of Arizona, which is becoming an increasing pipeline for the Ducks. Uh, they got a couple, a pair. Of, of defensive linemen from the state of Arizona in the 23 class. You're looking at Michael Gardner, 
who was already enrolled and, and was really drawing some strong praise from Casey Rogers saying, I think, you know, he was one of the most advanced freshmen that he's seen in terms of just picking up scheme and, you know, kind of adjusting to the game. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you can go ahead and, and watch that presser on my channel if you haven't seen it. Um, and then Amari Washington is, is uh, one of the best defensive linemen in Arizona as well. And I was talking to his coach who admittedly would probably be a little bit biased, but he was saying that he probably should have been an all American in this 23 class. Uh, because when I was at that All-American Bowl in San Antonio, the, the West was getting eaten alive at the line of scrimmage, and they probably could have used a guy like an Amari Washington. So I think that Oregon's in a great spot with rushing. I mean, they've definitely been playing the long game with him, which is kind of another point that I've been making, you know, with, with the this two-quarterback class discussion with Michael Van Buren being the long game and then Luke Moga being a newer guy for Oregon, but he's already in the fold, so that's good. But, uh, but yeah, Notre Dame, definitely, I was going to say, if you weren't going to say it, they were they look like they're kind of emerging as a, a top competitor in this recruitment um, for for the Ducks. You know, they had Keon Keeley as a, a recent guy that I, I think landed on an NFL roster. I'm not totally Keon sure. Is still in, he's going to be a freshman. Wait. Are you talking about... Um... Oh, I, am I talking about, is it, no. not Who am I talking about? Keon Keeley's the, yeah, he's the, um, he's the guy who ended up at Alabama, right? Yes. Um, okay. Who I know you're talking about, about Notre Dame. Isaiah they had something, I think. Fosky. Oh, Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Notre Dame had Isaiah Foskey. Um, I want to say that he ended up. Um, he's in the Saints. He, okay. He's on the Saints. Yeah. Good. Good Correct stuff. So. Round. Yeah. So they. So they have that. You know, kind of. You know that they can bring to the table, right? And then you know the Ducks are going to say, okay, look, you got a. Uh, you got Kayvon Thibodeau uh, in the NFL as a guy who came to Oregon and and thrived. Um, but yeah, I think with, with the edge conversation, I think that you've got to put Elijah rushing pretty much at the top in terms of Oregon's big board and, and who they want, even though he's an edge, you know, edge D line, kind of the same thing outside linebacker. Sometimes they get grouped into that, but defensive line, I mean, you're not exactly going to call a six, six guy, <laughs> an outside linebacker, probably more of a, a defensive lineman, but I think we had a lot of good stuff on rushing. I think his official is set for June 2nd or sometime in June. Um, and, and I love where the Ducks stand, but but you've got to make sure that you keep recruiting them and, and you know, don't let teams like uh, Notre Dame kind of, uh, you know, mix, mix it up here. Uh, let's Interesting see. point, um, just kind of transition. So, like, Notre Dame's a team that currently sits, and they're, like, trying to get West Coast talent or West uh, Region talent. They're also in it for a California linebacker, one of the top linebackers in the nation. Um, and Kingston, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Really so it. There we go. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and transition to the next one. Right, who who do you want to talk to next? I ha I think I might have a little bit of um a little bit of intel on um Zadavian Sims. Do you, yeah, I think I have to get my notebook real quick, but I can at least get my um at least get my highlights up here if, if you wanted to just start off by talking about him and then I'll move off screen for just a second. Yeah, that works. All right, go for it. All right, so Sims is a linebacker, or not a linebacker, geez, uh, defensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Um, he is one of the top players, or he is the top player, depending on which site you look at or even uh, which part of 247 Sports you look at. Um, he is the top or second best player in the state of Oklahoma. Um, he is a top 200 player in the nation, regardless of what site you look on. Um, and he's one of the top defensive linemen in the nation overall. Um, one of the top 25 right now 
and he's a guy that I actually really, really like, and um, I'm kind of surprised that we have shot up his recruitment, um, kind of like the contenders, I guess, um, how he shot up so fast there. I don't know, Max, what you want to share from your side. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, the the thing with with Zadavian Sims, uh, he's you know coming from coming out of the state of Oklahoma, which isn't necessarily a state that Oregon has done a lot of work in recently. But if you know about the U.S. map, it's not too far from Texas, and Oregon is tapped in in Texas, and they have a lot of connections there. Uh, but as far as Zadavian Sims, you know this is a really really athletic kid. Uh, listed on 247 Sports at, at 6'3", 275 pounds. Um, I think I actually saw him at a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament that I was at out in Santa Ana earlier this spring, but I didn't really know too much about him. Um, but he played some some tight end for his 7-on-7 seven seven team, C4, um, which is uh, the, the name of the organization there. And um, he's a, he had some some clutch plays for C4 uh, you know, in, the, in that tournament that I was at. And, and he's a guy who has really shot up with a lot of, uh, you know, attention. Um, and, you know, David Stone is a guy that I think was originally from the state of Oklahoma, even though he's out at uh, IMG Academy now. I know we were going to talk some more about him later, um, Colin, but, but C4 is a, a talented, uh, you know, organization, you know, gr- you know, talent developer, seven on seven organization. I don't really know what to call it, um, but, you know, one of those distinctions, but they also had a uh, by Job who I believe is at Michigan state um, yep. now as a, as an edge rusher. So he was another talented guy out of the state of Oklahoma, you know, former top 60 recruit in the 2023 class. Um, and so MSU is up there for Sims as well. Yeah. One of the top contenders there. Yeah. So I think, I think right now it looks like um, like Michigan state is kind of the perceived leader. I know they have a, a little bit of crystal ball movement in their favor, um, but I think that this one's got a, a ways to go, you know, when, from the source I was able to talk to about this recruitment was a Davian Sims. Um, you know, it looks like he's not in, in a rush for, for anything. Um, you know, he's going to take his official visits, um, and, and then kind of go from there. But I think that Oregon, Oregon has a pretty good shot. And I was a little bit confused because I think you said that you sent me something saying that Zadavian was back on campus. Um, and I was trying to confirm that and I think I more or less did, but I think it boils down to two trips in as many weeks. Um, I think you were the one that was telling me, uh, about that one calling just like, Hey, keep an eye out. I think, I think that Zadavian's back on campus. So anytime a guy visits that frequently, I don't care where you're from in the country, but maybe even more so if it's a journey to, to get out there to Eugene, I think that says something. And I think it backs up what I'm hearing that the ducks have a, a decent shot here for sure. Yeah, and uh, so he visited on a Monday as well this past Monday, which uh, a Monday visit is very, very odd. You don't usually see that for a recruit. Um, and he also visited with his mom. I'm not sure if he was uh, on his own for the last visit or not, but that it was something to note from the source. Um, and I really wonder, really, for Sims, he he also has some other teams like the in-state Oklahoma team. Uh, team in on him right now um arkansas is in there a little bit too i really wonder um how long this recruitment's going to take in terms of i'm not saying like rush hurry up i'm saying more um that i want i wonder how oregon will play this in terms of will they schedule um try to get the last visit again which they usually do 
Um, or will they try to get him out maybe two more times, maybe get an unofficial and then an official later on? It kind of just depends on his timeline of when he wants to commit, whether that'll be after his season is over, uh, before his season begins, over the summer even. Um, it, it just really depends how he wants to play it, what his timeline is. And like you said, I'm not sure. Or like, like you said, I don't know if there is a like specific timeline right now. Yeah, I don't think there's a timeline for him, but I think for guys that maybe don't have a timeline, they'll probably generically fall into before the senior season starts because a lot of guys just want to get that thing wrapped up so they can focus on their you know senior year, going out with a bang, getting a state title, or maybe towards that December timeline uh, so they can enroll early. Um, that's kind of one that you normally see. Um but uh, you also see guys that like to push past that, you know, past February into April. We saw it with Josh Connerly, right? Uh, we saw it with uh, with Mateo a little bit, but he had a, a early early decision, um, early signing period deal. Um, but but yeah, I think for for Oregon and Zadavian Sims, I think they definitely have a good shot. And I'm curious to see kind of where this group ultimately ends up stacking up, and you know where the where the priorities lie because it's. It's a group with a lot of really talented guys. And when so many of them come out to Eugene, sometimes it can be kind of hard to tell, you know, where, where are they really at? You know, who's a priority guy? Who's just someone that you're taking a shot at? Um, I think I have a pretty good, a pretty good feel kind of from what we've talked about calling about, you know, who some of these priority guys are. You have, you know, rushing, obviously Jordan Ross is a major priority now. Um, and then you have Zadavian Sims we mentioned uh joseph jonah Ajonye from from conroe texas at oak ridge he's teammates with justin williams big time five-star linebacker that was out for the spring game as well um but maybe we can talk about you know kind of shifting here you gotta take your shots at your guys like like david stone uh who i think is the number one defensive lineman in the country i'm stalling a little bit to look at the number two yeah on, on 247 sports composite top. he's he's number two um, behind Williams Only Nwarni. Nwarni. Uh, yeah. Yep. And that's another guy. I mean, Oregon's not really too into it, I'd say. Um, but he's from Dan Lanning's, uh, home state of Missouri. Uh, and that's a state Which that Oregon to watch. Yeah. And that's a state that Oregon already has gone to in the cycle at defensive line in Tioni Gray, uh, flipping him from Mizzou and definitely something to watch there, but back to David Stone, um, number two defensive lineman. Um, he is obviously very, very talented. I mean, obviously all these guys are, and, you know, I wonder for him, how real of a shot does Oregon have? I'm unsure. I don't know that Oregon really has a terrific shot here. I don't, I don't have all the Intel, but it's very good to see that he was out for a spring game visit. Um, along with the rest of these players. And also these players talk, they don't just, um, they don't just keep it to themselves, right? If other players are there along with other Oregon commits that are trying to voice their um, opinions on Oregon itself, these guys will all talk to each other and they will take usually like a common perception from the visit. And you've seen a few players already say that they like that uh, championship pedigree or SEC uh, coming up to the Pacific Northwest that isn't just one person saying that that's usually a consensus and that's really good for Oregon that, I mean, that helps them big time going forward. Um, not just this year, but 
in years beyond. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, and it, it kind of echoes the point that we hear from, uh, you know, from other, what are they going to say? This is kind of more of a broad point that, um, you know, recruits are sometimes the best recruiters, right? Yeah. So I think with, with David Stone, it's it's a guy that you've got to take your shot at if he's willing to come out, especially on his own dime, right? Like we mentioned, I think some of the buzz coming out of that visit from from some of the the bigger names in the recruiting industry, like Wolf Fong or Chad Simmons, I think one of them was reporting that the Ducks have a pretty solid shot at getting an official now. But at the same time, Colin, I don't know schedule. if, huh? He did schedule, just not a. There's not a set date yet. Okay, gotcha. Think. At least that it hasn't been released. Gotcha. I, I was just going to say that with this new rule that recruits can take as many officials as they want, I feel like it kind of um, it kind of could end up hurting, you know, programs because they might need to wait longer when when they want to get a guy, you know, wrapped up and, and in the fold. But that that maybe is a separate discussion. I just think that the fact that there's buzz around an official visit now, I mean, I, I think it already kind of shows that you're paying dividends, bringing a guy like this out, like, you know, top two defensive linemen in the country and David Stone. Yeah. And I mean, just overall, we talk about all the talent that this, that Oregon is able to bring in um, on visits and all this, but it's not just bringing them out on visits. That's not going to be the big selling point. The selling point is also going to be this season. Um, obviously a few guys will commit this summer, but um, the selling point going forward for guys that are announced later winning games and definitely at the position doing well. And also for some of these guys, 
seeing if they can come in and if there's development or if there is like NFL uh, draft picks, which they won't see until well after they're signed or whatever. But you look at this past year, they're just like um, not even, yeah, I guess almost a week ago now. Um, like DJ Johnson, edge rusher, he got drafted um, in the third round. You saw Jordan Riley also get drafted. And I think that points like this should definitely help Oregon in recruiting. And not only that, but I think maybe show what the staff is capable of doing, turning a player who not many people thought were um, where it was going to be drafted, maybe in Jordan Riley. And that's not because I'd say he's bad, but it's just like nobody really expected, I guess, as an Oregon consensus that he would be. And that maybe shows that the staff is developing players better than uh, previously thought. And going forward, this is just a huge, huge step. Getting more defensive linemen and more players in general drafted will help Oregon in the near future. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, a perfect example to to your point that is, you know, backing up your point is that uh, I was out at Modern Day the other day and I talked to to five-star edge rusher Nasir Wyatt, who's a rising junior, but he already has, you know, a bunch of the best programs in the sport coming after him. And he was there for the spring game. Uh, at Autzen Stadium, and the Ducks absolutely nailed that visit. A home run visit is what I called it in my write-up over on Ducks Digest. And and he was telling me about. I was just kind of asking him, you know, what like what's making Oregon so appealing? You know, what's standing out to you? And he was saying, you know, it's it's seeing what Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy are doing. You know, they have the first round draft picks. They have the edge rushers that have come through Oregon. He was talking about seeing all those guys from Georgia going to the Eagles or or going in the first round. Um, and he was saying, you know, Dan Landing had a part in that. You know, it's obviously not just Landing because that staff with Kirby Smart and then some of the other coaches is just stacked. So, you know, they played a part in it too, but Landing was there front row and, and, you know, he was working firsthand with a lot of these guys, you know, with your Jalen Carters uh, and, and whatnot, um, with your Nolan Smiths, right? Um, who I think came out of IMG Academy, uh, I want to say. Um, maybe that's, I think so. Um, so Georgia has the pipeline for IMG right now, Georgia and Alabama. So they got to be people to watch, you know, especially for a guy like David Stone. But uh, I think that you bring him out, you try to shake things up, and, and maybe they'll find themselves, uh, you know, in true contention down the road here. Yeah, and uh, just quickly just talk about how uh, Oregon sits among some other top teams for Stone. Um, despite Michigan State being an absolute dumpster fire right now um, with Everybody's all these players leaving, leaving um they are in this one, uh, not as much anymore as they were. Uh, David Stone's favorite coach at MSU left, um, and Oklahoma seems right now to be in the driver's seat. Um, but obviously, time can—I mean, over time, this can definitely change. Um, I would assume that Oklahoma, who is also in it for Sims as well, I would assume that they would be prioritizing somebody like Stone, maybe bringing him back home. Um, but also prioritizing keeping a kid in state. It's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, and I don't know if you wanted to talk about a certain prospect um, or recruit anymore, Max. Yeah, yeah. I think we got a couple more we can touch on. Um, I think we can talk about Joseph Jonah Ajonye a little bit uh, because he was on campus for the spring game and he was someone I got to talk to. But just to throw some more names out there, I think another guy that, I'm actually surprised I'm hearing a little bit more buzz about lately uh, is Aiden Breland in the 2024 class, also out of modern day, which is just a ridiculously talented team. 
Um, you know, I was there for, for spring ball, like I was saying earlier this week, and they didn't even have pads on and a couple, a couple reps were getting a little testy, um, you know, just from the physicality standpoint. Um, I think that Ohio state's a school that that's in the running uh, for him with, with him taking that trip. Uh, he had on Oregon gloves during practice for whatever that's worth. I think that kind of gets blown out of proportion, but yeah. Mateo was wearing Oregon gloves in one of the games that I covered this week, this, uh, this year. And uh, I posted about it, you know, it blew up and then it ended up happening, but I don't really think it means that much if we're being serious about it. So I think Joseph Jonah Jonye is someone we could talk about. Jericho Johnson is someone I don't know as much about, but he's coming out of the Fairfield area in Northern California, 6'4", 300 pounds, right in that sweet spot that I was, we were talking about earlier, you know, with body type. Um, so he's made a couple of trips. He, uh, we have, um, sorry, just to touch on him. Really quickly. He is a big time riser. Um, it, composite has him around the 200 range for 247 sports and then his uh pure 247 rank is near top 100 um early on uh i'll be honest i thought that he would be a guy that was like maybe all washington um it seems like washington's d-line recruiting and recruiting in general has taken a bit of a hit um they actually just fired their um, their director of recruiting which is not a good sign, but it's something that from my sources needed to happen. Um, and Jericho Johnson, if, I mean, if Oregon gets involved here, I don't think there's any way if Oregon really like prioritizes him, I don't think there's any way that um, he doesn't end up having Oregon in his top three. Um, truthfully, from what I've heard, he loves Oregon um, and loved his visit. Uh, it was an unofficial, I believe two or three weeks ago now. Um, and I don't know what's next, Max. Yeah. So I think it was important to touch on him because he is one of those guys out West that, that kind of checks off those marks. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to be interested to learn a little bit more about him, but we're trying to touch on specific guys that we have, you know, tangible Intel on, but then also, you know, at least just put you guys on, you know, Hey, these are the names to watch. If Oregon gets involved, you know, uh, don't be too surprised. Um, but yeah, the other guys that I wanted to talk about, and then maybe we can kind of talk, get to some of these mailbag questions, uh, Colin Solomon Williams is someone that got discussed yep. in the, in the comments here. You know, he's a, he's a big time guy in his own right. Maybe not on the same, uh, same level of some of these other guys that we're talking about, but, uh, Solomon Williams is a three-star edge rusher, six, three, two fifty out of Carrollwood day in Tampa, but he's got 44 offers. So take that three-star rating with a grain of salt. Uh, but yeah. he's made his way out to Eugene. I want to say at least once, so, so that shows you that they, uh, you know, have have some chance there with, with a little bit of interest. They also got Dallas Wilson, the 2025 wide receiver out of the Tampa area. So kind of what you're talking about, Colin, you know, recruits talk. Um, so I think that that's big. But uh, but yeah, let's talk about uh, – oh, sorry, did you have a point there? Yeah, so he's been in Eugene twice, and he's a kid. Last season uh, had 15 and a half sacks. He's a guy that I actually um, haven't really spoken much to. But uh, just over DMs, um, he's a guy that's very, very interested in Oregon. Um, that's just something that I really wanted to add. I think this is a kid that could definitely rise up to a four-star, especially seeing all the traction he's getting from programs. I would not be shocked at all if he ends up being a four-star pretty soon. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe we can stay on Florida just for a little bit. I'm, I'm looking at getting this film up here in a second. Um, but Oregon's doing some work in, in Florida, and I don't think it's going to be – you know, instantaneous results, but you know, you get a, you get a guy like a Janoris Wilson 
out of uh, Lakeland in, in 2023. And then um, in 2024, they don't have any commits from Florida, but they have a couple guys they're looking at, right, that we've talked about, David Stone. And then and then here we got some, some tape on Solomon Williams, who we talked about. Um, I also think that the Ducks are, you know, they don't have a ton of ties to Florida on the staff, but Alik Terry is from Miami. Uh, you know, he, he's the new offensive line coach. So he's going to help them stay involved. Adrian Clem was a big piece of Oregon's recruiting in the sunset and the sunshine state um, last year. So I think if you can get these guys, I mean, I think that if you, if you get a three-star guy from Florida versus, you know, a three-star guy from the Midwest or maybe even the, the West coast, I think, you're, you're a little bit more likely like a uh, Solomon Williams, you know, take off and, and maybe pan out because he's going against better competition just on the daily, on the weekly out there in the sunshine state. So um, as a Midwesterner, think, I'm a little bit offended, but go ahead. You, you got, <laughs> you got my point from that. You got my point. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, I don't remember where I was going to go with that, but um, is there anything else you wanted to add about Solomon before we uh, talk about a a little bit? No, um, but I mean, transitioning now to a Johnny eight, this is obviously a big target for Oregon um, trying to pursue Justin Williams, the five-star linebacker um, and a tie, like a big tie like this would help out big time. Um, if you can get a commitment, try to get that. Maybe that's just like another sort of uh, factor that would help pull Justin Williams. And I wouldn't be surprised if actually Justin Williams was the one that committed first, um, from what I've been hearing after the spring game, fantastic visit. Um, but a Jonier, a guy that another defensive lineman looking at Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma has been very, very good at recruiting defensive line in the past few years. Um, I wouldn't say quite on the caliber that Clemson has been into turning those into draft picks, but, um, very, very good there and something to watch. And when you look at a guy like a Jonier, you look at a guy that is maybe um, maybe one of the top guys for your class um, in terms of the entire defensive line. Uh, I don't know exactly where he sits in terms of rankings. Um, He's up there. He's up uh, there for yeah. sure. So I think he is definitely one of the top guys that you're going to have in this class, regardless if you can get – I mean, obviously, if you can get him. Um, and Oregon should definitely be prioritizing him. We, uh, on Instagram, Oregon got the double post. Not that it means anything, but there you go. Social media again. It can be very, very misleading in recruiting. Um, as you mentioned earlier with the glove situation. But Ajonier's, uh recruitment is definitely something to watch for Oregon fans. Yeah, it is. And I think that the Ducks are probably going to get an OV uh, from him. Uh, they're a guy. They're, this is a guy that's a little bit newer in Oregon's recruitment. Um, like we were kind of talking about, they've been way in on Justin Williams for a long time, but now you got schools like Bama and Georgia really giving Oregon a run for their money. Um, and then Ajonia talked about, you know, maybe being a package deal with Justin Williams and how, you know, Oregon could be the place that they want to team up at the next level. Not saying that they're a package deal, but, you know, if they're going to play together, just talking about how, you know, every time Justin goes, he's always raving about the Oregon visit to him. That's what he was telling me in, in our, uh, in my interview with him. But uh, yeah, he's a top, you know, top 115 player in the country, four-star guy, uh, you know, top 15 at his position. So in the Lone Star State, that's a guy you'd love to get. I love, I love his game. And then I think the only other guy that maybe is worth a quick mention here before we get to some comments, some mailbag, Colin, is um, uh, 
Oh my gosh. Is uh, Williams. Oh my God. Who am I? How am I forgetting this, this, uh, this badly Nigel Smith, not Williams, Nigel yeah. Smith out of Melissa, Texas. He's a big time target for the ducks. Uh, you know, both Ajonia and Williams are predicted to Oklahoma right now. Um, but, uh, Nigel but, Smith. yeah, Nigel, yeah, sorry. Nigel Smith and Ajonia, I think are both being predicted to, to Oklahoma, but there's definitely room for Oregon to make up ground in this one. And they also just got a commitment from Nigel Smith's teammate, Jackson Ford. So, you know, he's going to be in his ear as a peer recruiter. So there's still so many big time guys that Oregon's in the running for, but um, it's a, it's a good problem if you want to call it that, because I think time over time, we'll see who comes back for an official visit. And then where do these guys take their other trips to kind of get a feel of where Oregon's at. So I think that's kind of, that's kind of a good thing, you know, when you're looking at, even though you have so many guys here. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything on uh, to add on to that, but if you wanted to get started on those mailbag questions. Yeah, let's, let's do it. So uh, Andrew has one saying, I know Simmons didn't actually make it out to the spring game, Colin Simmons at Duncanville. Uh, but does that mean that the ducks are basically out of that battle? Like Rayola is no longer an option. Um, I think, well, I think with Rayola, that one's much more obvious. I feel like, uh, you know, if you're not getting trips from a guy, it's like I've said before, you know, you can hear and read everything that you want about being interested in a school, but if you're not going to see it, I feel like that kind of, you know, shows your hand, um, you know, not trying to slight rail or anything, you know, he's got a bunch of big schools coming after him. He's the number one player in the country for crying out loud. Uh, but for Simmons, I don't think that necessarily means that they're basically out of that battle, but we talked about all the other guys that they're in the mix for. And um, again, if you're getting a visit from a guy, I think that that kind of tells you that you probably have a better shot with him. But he's only from the state of Texas, so it's not too far away. Um, like we saw with you know Nicholas Harbor and and uh, you know some other guy, big time guys in that class. So I don't think that they're out of it, but it's it's not necessarily a, a development that you'd like to see put that way. Yeah, I think actions speak much louder than words. And you're talking about not coming out to visit. Um, it doesn't really matter if they just say that it's their dream school or something, like a lot of players do about Oregon. Um, they say it's their dream school, but then they don't come out to visit too much, right? There's other programs pursuing them. They end up going somewhere else. Um, for Simmons, you look at it, he didn't come to visit for the spring game like was um, originally rumored to be. Um, and looking at it from my perspective, I think that one of the teams up there is definitely LSU. Um, another team up there for him is Texas. I don't know much more about his recruitment in terms of that. I know that he also is prioritizing um, at least a little bit, Ohio State, which is as somewhat of a new development. Um, but yeah, I don't really think the Ducks have a great shot there. Um, I think they are kind of pivoting to what's next, I guess, and that is all these other talents that we've talked about in this video. Yeah, so I think I think it's really kind of showing that you know Elijah Rushing is a priority guy when he wasn't. When he, I learned that he wasn't going to be coming for the spring game, Elijah Rushing, I, I mean, it wasn't a great development, but I also think it kind of helped out Oregon because maybe we talked about it on the last pod, Colin. Like, it was just good that they were able to have him on campus uh, as, you know, a main visitor throughout the week or whenever it was and just kind of give him that one-on-one -on -one attention um, versus having him on campus for the spring game. And then you kind of have to bounce through. I mean, if you can – I don't know I don't know how Lanning does it. You know, he's just everywhere all at once. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, getting in a photo shoot with a guy or sitting down to dinner with him or, or picking him up at the airport, like we saw with, with Jordan Ross. 
um, you know, the guy's just a, a superstar and he, he doesn't stop. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that's the one on Simmons. Appreciate the question. Um, got a, a, a generic football question for, for Oregon though, but I think it's interesting from, from K man. Uh, K man says, Sco ducks. What position group do you think will perform the best this upcoming season? Excluding mm. the quarterbacks. Um, you want to start with this one? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I think it's to be offense. I think, uh, um, position group. Yes. I will. I will get to that just a second. I just, um, the defense, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, there's a defense that has a lot of, or has a big ceiling, but, uh, I'm not sure where they really stand because spring game doesn't mean much. I'm sure there were some good takeaways, but I don't know. I think it's gonna be running backs. Okay. And why do you think that? Um, I, I think we saw last year, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington, uh, Jordan James. And then you throw in guys like Dante Dowdell, um, and some of those other guys that are in there in that room, they were very good. They were very, very good. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon maybe ran the ball a little bit more this season. Um, I'm not sure what exactly Stein said. I, it was either that they're going to pass the ball more or run the ball more. I can't remember which, um, but it wouldn't really surprise me at all. And I, I do think the O-line is still going to be near the same level um, as it was last season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that when I saw this question, running backs was the first group that came to my mind, but I don't want to have the same answer as you. So I'm going to go to the other side of the ball and talk about the group that looks the most solidified, the most promising, and that's probably the defensive line. And uh, I would say that that really goes, you know, end to end, right? So, you know, edge rushers, defensive ends, interior, I'm including all of that in, in my answer. And I think for one, it's because of the returning talent you have at the position, um, you know, Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers, Keon Ware Hudson um, are, are some of the big names mm -hmm. there. Pope Popo's back uh, sure. along the interior, Funa on the edge for sure. Um, but Popo coming back, I think is one of the biggest uh, developments. I don't believe we saw him in the spring game. I wasn't able to watch that live, so I could be wrong. Um, but having him back, assuming he'll be healthy by the time fall camp gets uh, ramped up and the season comes around, I think that's big. Uh, and then just the guys that you added to an already really talented bunch, I think are part of the reason that I think that they are really poised for a breakout year. And, and there may not be a group with a bigger chip on their shoulder than the defensive line for Oregon this year, because, you know, they, they hear everything that we're saying, they're reading it. I mean, maybe not to the same level that, you know, a fan is, but, uh, the, the, the resounding sentiment was that that was a group that didn't live up to expectations even though they were one of the best run defenses in the country and in the Pac-12, you know, they got destroyed by Oregon State um, in, in that game, which I think, you know, really left a bad taste in their mouth. Um, and they weren't able to really get after the quarterback. So just imagine the way that this pass defense could improve if they can get after the quarterback by adding guys like Birch, by adding guys like Mateo, uh, Blake Purchase as well, Ashton Porter, Terrence Green. Tavita Pome is, I mean, the, the names go on, Colin. This is, I feel like this is one of the best defensive lines that Oregon's had in quite some time. I think it's going to be better than that 2014 group that helped lead them to the national championship appearance. Um, because you have guys like DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, you have those body types littered throughout the offense, the defensive line. And some of them are even true freshmen. And I'm not saying that they're going to play, but just from top to bottom and then building out the depth chart at that position, it's, stacked 
That is a very, very hot take. You don't um, think you don't? I don't think that's that hot of a take. This being the best defensive line since Defoe and well, Armstead. Okay, okay. Since then, it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, just because I don't feel like Oregon's. We talked about it at the beginning. Like Oregon's D line recruiting and their D line in general has not been up to standard as it as it used to be. Um, I just think that I don't know if it can be quite on par. Um, but I. And I'd mostly agree. I I think this that the D line definitely has a very very big ceiling. Like you said, chip on their shoulder. Um, and if they can get to the quarterback this year, I mean, that'll make the pass defense look so much better. Exactly. Exactly. No, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, let's see. We got riding with the mic. What's up, guys? Love your show. I can't wait for the season to start. I'm a new season ticket holder this season. Right on. Glad you got the, the season tickets. Appreciate you tuning in and, and supporting the show. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it so far. Uh, let's see. See me on the big screen asks, what's going on with Fox Crater? Oh um, this, is a, this is an interesting <laughs> one because he committed pretty early on in the process. Went to like every Oregon game last year. Not too far away, obviously, in Vancouver, Washington, Evergreen High School. Um, you know, he committed to Oregon and then he's kind of really just shot up the recruiting rankings and, and really emerged as a national recruit this off season with offers like, you know, Texas A&M, Georgia coming in, LSU, uh, LSU. I think Oklahoma is probably in there too. So he went he's been all over the place this off season, but I think a lot of people kind of got the wrong impression when he was taking those visits because it coincided with Adrian Clem's departure. And they were thinking that, Oh, Clem's gone. So that's the reason that he's taking all these trips. And he was saying that, that wasn't the case. He just wants to take all these trips so that he knows that Oregon's the right school for him. And he's not going to throw away, you know, months of relationship building that the staff has already put in. Um, so I think that that's a, another thing that's worth mentioning. And the last thing I'm going to add here, I need to talk to him because I haven't talked to him in a while. So hopefully I can check in with him. Uh, the Oregon coaches were just at his high school yesterday. Um, that's another thing to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, now we're in the spring eval period. Now that spring ball is over, coaches are getting on the road all across the country. And uh, they made sure that that was a spot that they stopped at uh, so they could check in on Fox. And um, I think, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of updated intel on this one, I'll be honest, but I don't see, I don't really see a major reason to be too worried right now, at least in my opinion. Um, to add on to that. So one of the visits that he took, um, actually maybe two of the visits that he took, um were because he was visiting with his dad um because his dad is down south i believe in texas maybe mm -hmm. um and he was originally planning to go i think it was to smu's maybe spring game or something like that and that didn't end up happening um you know me personally i'm not necessarily on the same page in terms of like liking that um obviously fox has his own approach to it um I would love to see him stay committed and stay at Oregon. Um, I just think when you take all these visits, it's kind of hard to not like see the fans look at it and be like, okay, well maybe he's like silently reopening somewhat or um, like he said to you, making sure that Oregon is the right team or right school rather. Um, it, it'll be something to watch maybe. I'm a little bit more worried than you are, but um, we'll see how it unfolds, I guess, over the summer. Yeah, and, and I think two things that are going in Oregon's favor here is the fact that he committed early. Um, 
because I think that kind of coincides with Oregon being one of those schools that showed that faith early. You know, they were in on him early. And then all these schools and all these offers are coming in after he's kind of blowing up, uh, you know, on the circuit, on, you know, with camps and everything. And I, I think that that, you know, at least from talking to Fox, I don't think that that's something that's going to be lost on him. Because I think about that comment that he had about, I'm not going to throw away months of relationship building. So I think the fact that Oregon was in early is going to help. Um, but I will say, you know, if, if you had to look at somebody that could maybe be, I'm not going to say likely to flip, but you see or decommit, you see, you know, kind of the writing on the wall about why an argument could be made for that. But right now I'm not too worried, but we'll have to see what happens. And then the other thing I was going to mention, he's not too far from Eugene in Vancouver. So that makes me think that the staff's kind of going to look at him as if he is an in-state recruit. Um, And the mentality that comes with that is that you can't let guys that are capable of contributing to your program, capable of helping you out, out of the state or go play for somebody else. So I think that that's kind of what gives me a little bit of confidence right now. Admittedly, though, I do need to kind of try to get some some fresh scoop on this one and, and see what they think. All right, uh, let's see what else we got here. This one comes from Wink, and it was something that we were talking about actually uh, just a little bit earlier, <laughs> Colin. Um, Wilt Fong dropped a crystal ball for Colorado to land Aaron Butler. Any validity to this? Yes. Yes. Um, so Aaron Butler's dad played with Dion. Go ahead and preface with that. Um, his dad is definitely, as you told me, um, a big driving force for Colorado as a top school um, coming off the visit. And I I know I've said that social media doesn't mean much, but when you comment about a team every single day for the matter, for the span of two weeks um, leading up to your visit and then continue it after your visit, um, this is kind of me just blowing off some steam. I'm a little bit upset about this one, but um, it, it there's not much you could do here. Dion, obviously, he's already kind of been a decent recruiter. Um, and then the connections here. And that's a big thing with Dion. Uh, it's a big thing with Colorado now because Dion's there. Um, the connections because of him being uh, a Hall of Fame guy, a Hall of Fame corner, and also being a high caliber wide receiver at the same time, uh, which is what Aaron Butler is. He wants to play wide receiver in college, um, was a corner, uh, or was recruited to be a corner by USC. It's speculation on why he decommitted. And yeah, so that's where Oregon, Oregon kind of got in on him uh, pretty recently and then got that visit, um, moved the, what is it? I don't know. Needle? Moved the needle on him, right? And then you see just two weeks later, that needle is gone. But we'll see. Um, I, I may just be completely overreacting to it or he may commit soon, but from what I've heard, this is definitely a very, very valid uh, prediction. Yeah. So just to kind of, just to kind of give my two cents on this, you know, Aaron Butler is a guy that I've talked to uh, a couple times, uh, you know, when it comes to covering his recruitment, got to see him in person at, at UA next and mission, mission Viejo. And this is a twitchy dude, you know, really explosive crafty guy definitely isn't lacking for, for confidence by any stretch of the word. Um, he's very, very confident, but yeah, I think, 
the thing it, it's not that surprising to see this pick because when I was talking to him, Colin, it was kind of hard to get a feel for where he was at. And this was before that that Oregon visit that uh I think kind of kicked up the momentum. Um, because he was talking so highly about every school that was in his top uh, his top list. You have Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Alabama, Georgia in his top five right now, looking like a, a decision probably right around the start of the summer. Um, but I think he's he's very impressionable, uh, as a lot of recruits are, right? You know, they go on that visit, he went to Oregon, and then there was all that hype about Oregon, predictions coming. He went to Colorado for the spring game, and then now you're seeing this pick uh, from Wilt Fong. Um, you know, switching things up on it. But I think, yeah, you know, from, from some of the sources that I've talked to, especially out here in Southern California, you know, where Butler's from, um, I think that that, that connection between Dion and his dad is a big part of it. I'm not saying it's the only reason that you're seeing some of this momentum. Um, but I think it's part of the reason, you know, if you played in the NFL with somebody, you know, you grind with them, you sweat with them and, you know, you play football and you go through some adversity and everything, it, it just makes sense as a former NFL player, you're going to probably want your son to, to play for, for that guy. If he's coaching, um, I'm not saying that's the only factor behind it, but that's part of it probably. And, you know, playing with Travis Hunter and, and playing with Cormani McLean, that was something that he talked about as very appealing, just playing with the best and, you know, getting after it with them in practice. And I believe the words he used was, you know, was embarrassing them. Um, so that's, that's what I'm talking about, you know, back-to-back number one corners for Colorado. And here you have Aaron Butler talking about how he thinks he can, you know, do whatever he wants, which maybe he can, um, you know, okay. Like, okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Best of the best. And then you want to go to Colorado. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like Oregon as it sits right now has a much better roster, far, far better roster. Oh, sure. Um, now this might get clipped and then bite me in the rear if Oregon somehow loses. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would agree with what you're saying. The impressionable part. Um, obviously you saw that hype with Oregon right after the visit. You saw that hype from Colorado right after the visit. Um, there was also before that, even before the Oregon visit, um, there was hype for Georgia a crystal ball also from Will Fong. He's changed his crystal ball three times now just on Aaron Butler because of impressions. And it's very hard as well. I don't blame Will Fong for this. It's just that it's really hard to get a read on kids that are impressionable because you don't know where their actual overall uh, recruitment is. It's just that they're, I mean, the most recent. And so with Oregon and for Aaron Butler, if they can get a last visit, that'll be huge. Because the guy that's very impressionable, and, and I think that is part of why Oregon wants to get um, like the last visit for everybody. That's that is your last impression on a recruit. No doubt. No, that's that's a huge part of the strategy is trying to get that last visit before a commitment. Um, I don't know if he's set his Oregon official just yet, um, but you know this is a guy that Oregon's going to stay in the mix for, and, and maybe if he does end up going to Colorado, I'm not saying it's a guy you don't want by any means because he's extremely talented. But you do have some momentum with Dylan Gresham, who I think is a, a similar type of receiver to Butler. I'm not saying they're the same player, but definitely two really playmaking kind of guys with, with a lot of speed. Um, I haven't gotten to see Gresham in person yet, so that's something that's on my list for sure. Um, but I think that, you know, Oregon's already in the running for so many wide receivers in this 24 class. Ryan Pelham's another one uh, from the Southern California area. Jeremiah McClellan out of St. Louis. 
there's plenty of options, but I mean, Aaron Butler is as impressive a receiver as you'll find. So I think that as long as the Ducks can stay in the running for him, I think they're going to want to do that, but we're just kind of taking the pulse here. Yeah. And this is one that I could definitely see going all the way to signing day. Um, Just again, the impressions. I mean, you get an unofficial um, and even that, like that can go a long way. For sure. For sure. We've gotten to a really, we've gotten into a lot of really good stuff here. Uh, you know, Colin, starting with D-line, O-line comparisons and getting all the way to some receiver talk. Um, but appreciate the comment here from Wink. The content that these fellows are dishing out is too good to have one. Uh, like, let's turn this up for Max and Colin. Appreciate it. But uh, yeah, we're kind of winding down here, Colin. We hit that hour mark uh, pretty easy. Um, but uh, any final thoughts here on, you know, the original topic, I guess, of, of defensive line recruiting, Oregon sending, you know, swinging for the fences or any other recruiting thoughts you wanted to add? Uh, so actually at defensive tackle, um, just posted a little bit ago, Oregon is, it's just a reaching out. It's nothing serious, but Oregon did reach out to a Ole Miss defensive line transfer in uh, Taiwan, uh, Taiwan Malone. Uh, I believe he's a defensive tackle. Was a top 90 player in the 2021 class. Has three years of eligibility remaining. Um, you can see, obviously, there's a pretty long list there. Um, USC is another one. I would not be surprised if they're very, very involved. Um, but, you know, it's whatever. Where's this guy from? I know he's at, he was at Ole Miss, but where's he from originally? There's the on three database right there. Can click uh, on that link. There we go. Okay. Uh, oh, he's from New Jersey originally. Went to Virgin Catholic. So that's a powerhouse Penn program State. for sure. Maybe look at Penn State then because of location. But um, I would not be surprised if USC was a heavy favorite here or a very, very big contender. Yeah. Just because they've been living in the portal. You know, Bear Alexander, Anthony Lucas, they, you know, they're, 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 priorit- they're prioritizing the, the portal without a doubt. Um, but yeah, that's a, a maybe a note that we can wrap on. So, uh, man, appreciate you guys showing out in the chat. Got to give you guys some props there. You know, keeping the comments and questions coming, and, and we love interacting with you guys. But, uh, Colin, before we get out of here, where can people find more of you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at um, Insider Ducks and on Instagram at ducks.insider, as on the webcam. All right, right on, right on. Well, if you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at mtorissports. If you're here on YouTube, make sure to like that video and subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on future streams, future videos, all that good stuff. If you're looking for Oregon recruiting, I am your guy. I'm here for all of it. Um, Can't get enough of it, really. It's really, really fun. And uh, maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew since uh, we're still waiting for a a run for Oregon, you know, where the commits are just rolling in. But uh, when it happens, you can bet that I'm going to be covering it. Uh, And you guys can find my coverage at ducksdigest.com and share the podcast with your friends, family, and other duck fans. And until next time, appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.